WCBN FM Ann Arbor. People say beware, but I don't care. Good afternoon. I'm T. Hutzel, and you've got Living Writers. I'm so pleased today to have Francine J. Harris here in the studio with me. Um, I'm holding her book hot off the press um, with uh, Wayne State University Press from the Made in Michigan Writers Series, Allegiance. Is the title and Francine, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm so I'm so pleased you're here. <laughs> um, and you'll be actually uh, you're you're reading tomorrow at the at the art museum right at about five ten ish in the Helmut Stern Auditorium. That's right. With Terry Blackhawk. That's right. And um and you'll be reading from Allegiance. That's right. I'm also reading tonight at Nicholas. Yes, Nicholas. At seven. Great. So yeah. that's in that seven o'clock in the Westgate Shopping center that's right nicola's books yay and yes hello to nicola out there if you're listening because <laughs> uh we love your shop we love your books here nicola okay so um before further ado francine i think i'll read the short bio in the back and we'll go from there francine j harris is a detroit native whose recent work has appeared in rattle Callaloo, and michigan quarterly review and she's the author of the recent chapbook, Between Old Trees. She is a Cave Conum Fellow, has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize, and is currently a Zell Post-MFA Fellowship recipient at the University of Michigan. And so here we are. I love the title <laughs> of your chapbook, Between Old Trees. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> oh, yes. I know. Another another moment where the webcam would be good. Between That's right. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like, see, that's it right <laughs> this, there. This is the book. <laughs> and so so we so technically we have three books of, of yours on the table because you're also part of this anthology to be left with the body um, right. that was put out. Um, what year was this? Can you tell us a little bit about this book? Francine? I think this was 2008. Um and the reason that I'm giving you this is because um, they were, it was part of a grant-funded project by um, the Los Angeles AIDS Project, and so they put out this anthology 2007, um, and they and they gave it away. Um, the book is actually also online, um, so it's just like a really beautiful free anthology that I tried to give to people whenever I can. <laughs> and thanks for bringing copies for the yeah, station, because I know they'll be here, the DJs will will enjoy them. And how did you become part of this? Were you out west, Francine? Or what What was your intersection? I was, but I can't, I can't remember how that happened. I think I got, I think um, Stephen Fullwood, who's uh, one of the editors, invited me. And I believe that's how I met him. I think he just seen some work and invited me to contribute to it. So, yeah. Oh well, thanks. Well, thanks for gifting us the the books and, yeah. and for being here today and and bringing allegiance. Um, <laughs> so I said hot off the press. When so when did you when it's 2012, right? Right. <laughs> so when when did you actually first get a copy of of the book, Francine? Um, I drove to Detroit. <laughs> 
to pick them up because I couldn't wait. Um, so that was uh, it was released on February fifteenth, uh, and I think I got I got a chance to go the week before that, so I had it for a week just all to myself. <laughs> oh well, yeah. yeah, congratulations! Thank that you. Was, that's really it's wonderful. It's um, pretty amazing, <laughs> and it's beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful book. Um, it, it, the design yes. is just incredible. They did such a wonderful job on it, and they were so uh, accommodating. Who who, di- who designed it, Francine? So, um, did you work with the person and go back and forth with the um, the cover? For yeah, example? and I forget her last name. The the um, I'm sure it's in here somewhere. Um, the like lead graphic designer. Um, her name was uh, Maya, but I, I can't remember her last name. But the the designer um, of the book I just realized recently is Kay Madura, who is like um, done books for like Adam Zagajewski and yes, friend uh, of the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And apparently he was here last week, and I I, I would have gone, but I just it all of it clicked like a a few days ago who who the designer was, and it's just I'm, I'm so excited <laughs> yes no it's ex- it is exciting and you'll be reading t- well tonight at nicola's right, tomorrow right. at the art museum right and so people will be able to hear poems from allegiance and get their own copies right. their very own uh, the artifact of the book right is there and so you drove to detroit that's bringing up that's um a drive you know <laughs> i know it well <laughs> Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your biography then, like okay. a little bit about um, like the the path that that you've taken. Um, uh, Francine, born in Detroit. Yes, I was born on the East Side. Um, so East Side Angel. This is the- <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's a line from the title poem, actually. Um, and uh, not too far. I don't know. When I tell people where I grew up, they usually have to reference the uh, city airport because I didn't grow up too far from there. Um, went to Kettering, which was a high school um, in Detroit, um, one of the one of the oldest ones, I think. And um, what else? And that's why you have a poem for that, which feels like this this time capsule. Poem. Yeah, it do, I do I do. It's yeah, that's a trippy poem because a, f- a friend of mine, um, David Blair. Did yes. you know Blair? I feel like I. I did, okay. and I saw well, and I saw the book is also dedicated to him. Yeah. and your your parents maybe. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's a close friend of mine that I lost last summer. I'm so um, that sorry. actually a lot of people lost because he was kind of a big community figure and a folk singer and poet and artist and people knew him from activist. People knew him from like all these different walks. But um, so that's it, it's it's weird to me that he's not. Ugh. That he's not here. You wrote on your your blog about him, yeah. And so that's how I actually knew. So I'm 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 sorry. I I loved the riverboat. Yeah. How how he took you on one yeah. when you were feeling kind of you were down, and and he said, "Come on, I've got this this gig." He was playing music on a riverboat. That's right. Yeah. And, and then you were telling him. Now I'm just retelling the story. No, it's him. okay. It's okay. Um, how your mom had wanted you to go, and you were that's actually right. standing there looking out at the river, feeling sort of guilty that you hadn't gone with her but saying well I thought it was cheesy and like a good friend he said well it is it is kind, it of, is cheesy. kind of cheesy <laughs> yep. but there you were both enjoying it as yeah well. <laughs> yeah he was he's uh, he was a great friend to me and um 
Yeah, he just, I, it's, I say it's weird because he just had so much to do with um, so many of the poems. That poem about the, the Kettering poem being one of them, it was, uh, he'd given me this um, this book for, I think it was a Christmas present or it was a Christmas present, um, which was funny because he was a total atheist. But <laughs> but he still observed the gift giving <laughs> holidays. It for me yeah. <laughs> and probably for his other friends who liked it. Um, he gave me this book that was like, it was like a handmade a book of of prompts, you know, not that I'm necessarily terribly uh, writers. I don't get writers block per se. I don't even know if I believe in that, but, um, but you know, it's, it's that idea of like having something to jumpstart you. Mm. Um, So he had, he had cut off, cut out all these little pictures and given me these little prompts. And one of the pictures was like, I think it was a picture of a bottle in the dirt. And the prompt was um, talk about a place from, your life and talk about what's buried underneath it. And so that's where that poem came from. The, the buried under, what is it called? I, I think <laughs> which you would find buried under, high school. Right. Which you would find buried in the dirt under Charles F. Kettering senior high school. <laughs> would you like to read that one, Francine? Sure. Um, right. And now we get into the whole, I can't curse, which right. <laughs> yeah. anybody who knows me knows is this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> for sure we should probably (laughs) say that also you know this is going to be you know it's this is this is poetry and um I mean, I'd like, and sometimes with art, you know, you, you need to call upon either what the language is of actually the the people speaking, or for a particular power that some of right. these words have. And right, yeah. So, um, I mean, we're we're observing the FCC. That's right. <laughs> in, so this is in good. I feel faith. like they're in the room with us this right now. You I know, know. <laughs> yeah, not not the good kind of angel, right? <laughs> Um, That's right. <laughs> okay, so what you'd find buried in the dirt under Charles F. Kettering Senior High School, and maybe I'll just kind of, if I can't think of a way to replace the word, just you can't pause for a pause beat, for a minute maybe? or something. So yeah. So that's what's going on, listeners. Okay, <laughs> out there, <laughs> Detroit, Michigan. Blood, soaked and caked on white socks, on blue mesh net T-shirts, the band leader's blue baton and drumsticks. Matchbooks gnarled sulfur spilling over Newport cigarette butts. Condoms and a few dull shades. Tenth grade chemistry books modeling atomic fatty acids. Half-sucked orange dum-dums tucked under detention slips. Pictures from black hair cut out for pre-beautician consensus. Broken black glitter belts with pink buckles shaped like lips. Candle wax from last year's vigil when DeAndre Chucky Brown collapsed in the arms of his teammate, the teammate's shoe prints rocking back and forth at the vigil, biting his lip. Pieces of the black rubber mat below the entranceway, which we crossed every morning, teeth clenched, notes of consent that girls didn't really mean and wish they hadn't passed back. Broken teeth, lost retainers, Crumpled letters written to counselors and discarded for illegible handwriting. Phone lists of abortion clinics. Deflated Valentine's Day balloons with trampled white ribbon. Sales ads on bassinet sets. My first boyfriend's piano scarf. A Phyllis Hyman album cover. The path from the exit door behind the school through which certain boys would not see certain girls leave. 
torn-up progress reports, brass knuckles, two afro picks on opposite sides of the school, germs on a hall pass from a boy holding his crotch, rusty rebar dust, pigeon bones, stolen phone numbers, DOT bus passes from 1960, the year of the groundbreaking, suspended driver's licenses, broken glasses from ice-packed snowballs, unread pamphlets on Charles F. Kettering, a farmer with bad eyesight, who invented the electric starter and an incubator for preemies, possum tales, original scores, crumpled poems written and torched detailing abuses, genital fluids, DNA, envelopes from letters of acceptance to states far away, math teachers stolen answer keys torn and burned by cigarette lighters, cigarette lighters, hundreds of McDonald's fries containers because they flatten easily, weed, imitation diamonds from homecoming tiaras encrusted in dung-colored mud, research papers on Kettering detailing his treatments for venereal disease which involved heating up patients in thermal cabinets until their body temperatures fevered at 130 degrees, teachers read pen marks on essay papers detailing abuses, empty sprint cards, broken cell phones, a splint a football captain was supposed to be wearing but decided made him look gay, a fat boy's tape, pieces of torn blue and white starter jackets from the way boys wrestled each other to the ground in spring, my first poetry journal, pages of its poems embossed with patterns of early name-brand gym shoes, crumpled suicide notes written in pencils and scorched with ashes, lost house keys, pictures of first crushes, bullets, unpublished articles by frustrated teachers who briefly looked into research findings using the Charles F. Kettering instrument of school climate assessment, detailing the psychological impact on students of external stressors normally associated with adulthood domestic patterns of abuse. Fat shoelaces, bullet casings, a gem beam whiskey flask the old principal ditched thinking someone was coming. My last boyfriend's lesson plan, elaborately structured on the back of a comic book. Imprints of my mother's modest heel from crossing the barren frontal square, square at my graduation. Free press articles on unnamed miners whose bodies were found in dumpsters near Kettering. The crystallized block formed from the tissue my father handed me at graduation for tears I couldn't explain. Thank you, Francine. Well, <clears throat> that's that's not only a, a time capsule. That's like, woof. That's it. It that pretty much roams everywhere. That um, could you? Did you? Um, what did you decide wasn't going to be under there? Like, did you ever take anything out that you found? Like that you found in your mind? <laughs> oh wow. Um, that's a good question. Let me think about that. I think I was trying to, um, because I was trying to think about the time, you know, for me it would have been um, in the 80s, and so I was trying to think about um, things that, um, I think originally I started thinking about things that you would have, would have found only during that time period. Yeah. Um, 
like the Fat Boys tape and the Phyllis Hyman album cover. Yes. You know, that kind of thing. But then... But I wondered about, like, the 19th, like, the year of the groundbreaking, like, that bus... Like, I I wondered... Yes. Right. So I so then I was thinking, well, if it's buried, then you can keep going back. Or um, depending on when you're, when you're digging, you could actually come forward. So that's, the, like, the, you know, the... The year that I wrote this this poem, there was that story of that uh, that kid DeAndre Brown who like died, you know, on the field. Um, at least, actually, it's funny because this is a story of a story. In some ways, it's sort of hearsay. So I'm not even sure that that's um, something that you would find. But I think that um, I was trying to. I mean, all of it's like this imagined landscape, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, this is no. This is great, and you do know, and you've re- you've written the poem. <laughs> so we'll we'll take a short break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk more. Okay. Uh, with Francine J. Harris today on Living Writers, her book Allegiance. We'll take a short break. Be right back. The sun. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Francine J. Harris is here. Her book, Allegiance, just out February 15th from Wayne State University Press. Um, So, and tonight at Nicola's, Francine, you'll be reading at 7 o'clock. That's right. So you guys can start heading there after work or after supper and see Francine read some of these fine poems from Allegiance. And one we can say you'll be reading tonight um, is actually uh, this this last the song we just heard was the epigraph for the poem. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Get, tell us about the song. Uh, the <laughs> um, well, the, the, <laughs> the, the song. I feel like half my favorite artists are my friends, but <laughs> well, why not? Um, the song is from uh, a band called Pure Ho- Pure Horsehair. Hi, Garrett. <laughs> if you're listening, um, it's uh, my friend Garrett Devoe and uh, Shazad Ismaili are make up that band. Um, and you know, I think that song. There's just certain things that were 
kind of in my brain while I was making a lot of these poems because of the time frame that I was in. Like, um, I started writing, I think, most of these poems when I moved back to Detroit. Um, I moved here in 2002, is that right? Yeah, um, from New York um, for family reasons. And so, you know, it was the first time that I'd been back in Detroit as an adult. Um, Did you, because we actually didn't, talk much about that because we started with you know where you were born and where you went to school and then we sort of halted that's okay (laughs) so where so so what was then between the trajectory the high school in new york (laughs) yeah um i left detroit when i was 17 quickly (laughs) ran (laughs) on a train three days after i graduated high school uh with a plastic suitcase um and i went to arizona which I often joke was just as far away from it as I could get, which should tell you how I felt about it at the time. I think I feel very differently about it now, um, which is why I think you know a lot of these poems happened because I had such a really weird kind of tumultuous um, childhood, especially high schoolhood. Is that a word? Um. <laughs> and definitely one that FCC approves of. <laughs> yes. Yes, to high schoolhood. Um, and uh, and so I just left, you know, with this bad taste in my mouth. Um, and then I came back and it was just a totally different experience being an adult in Detroit. Um, you know, I very quickly met so many incredible artists and poets and just really wonderful people that I guess I just didn't have access to when I was a kid, maybe. I don't know, that kind of nurturing artistic environment um, didn't really exist when I was a kid. I wonder if it was also part of the changing time, like what people became more, like it grew, like maybe the artistic community has been growing. I think so. I think so. Um, Yeah, I've worked with, uh, like I've worked with this program Inside Out um, in Detroit, (laughs) which you know well. And um, That's how I met you. Yeah, that's right. Um, And they do um, poetry in the schools with kids. And, you know, every once in a while it just dawns on me, like, like, if I had had this as a kid, I think life might have been really very different, you know. Because poems, poems, when I was a kid, that thing, I I don't know if I mentioned, I think it's in that poem about the reason the poems were buried in the dirt is because people, it was something to be ashamed of. Like there, there was a, I remember having, having like somebody take my, my poetry journal, it's such a humiliating moment. I'm like somebody taking my poetry journal, like passing it around chemistry class, like over my head. Like, and I think that that's the, that there, there was a journal that I lost. I'm pretty sure that it was that one. Um, Cause it's not, you know, it was, we were weird. We, and I don't think I really knew any other poets in high school. So, but when you say we, there was someone. There must've been, but I think they were closeted. (laughs) You know, like. But uh, you were writing poems and you actually had dedicated books to it. So you had a notebook, which. Yeah, I did. When did, did. when did you start writing them? Like how, how young were you, Francine? Uh, So. Because how did you, if no one was from inside out at your elementary school or middle school, high school, so how did it happen for you? It's kind of a weird story. Um, I, um, I mean, I guess I had kind of always been writing. I, you know, as a, as a kid, there were these little things, there were little poems. Um, I remember one when I was, when I was really young that I I wrote and I was like, 
I I looked at it like, you know, a few days after I wrote it, and it's that kind of channeling thing where you look at something and you're like, I don't understand how I wrote that. Do you know what I mean? It feels so other than you. It feels other than you, yeah. So there were always little things, but when I was in high school, um, in ninth grade, by then I had already figured out this was going to suck. So... <laughs> Oh, the whole high school experience. Oh, the whole high school high experience. School hood. It was, yes, high school hood was awful. So I already figured that out. Um, and I had a friend um, who became my best friend at the time. Um, and she called me one night and read me this poem over the phone. And I was like, that was cool. Who wrote it? And she said, I did. I was like, no, you didn't. <laughs> because the language was so other than her you know what I mean it was it was not any way that I'd ever heard her talk and of course this is back you know I mean in ninth grade where it was like rhyming <laughs> you know what I mean and kind of like in this weird um off meter or whatever but um I wrote her back and I called her the next night and read her this poem backed and it became a tradition between us you know and then as high school got worse which it did um, it kind of became like almost a saving grace, you know what I mean? That we had this weird relationship where, you know, underneath everything we were reading each other's poems the whole time. Um, and what did it stay at the same pace almost day to day or was it something that, that just that, shifted with time? And... It shifted. Yeah, that was something that we did um, in that first, you know, I, maybe there was like a month or two, which I think filled up that, that book that I'm talking about pretty fast. And then uh, know, chemistry class. That's right. <laughs> And then eventually it just, uh, you know, got to be something that we would, you know, send each other stuff, uh, you know, once in a while, I guess. But I guess it, it got a little more serious than me, for me, than it was for her. But, yeah, that that's where it started. <laughs> and what, what, was high school so bad for, like, the normal reasons that high school is bad? Or was your high school hood <sighs> somehow, like, even worse? Because now you've mentioned it a couple times, so I was just I know, suddenly I know, curious. I know. Sorry, that's, no, it's okay. To... <laughs> it's just, it's weird because I um, no, I don't think it was is weird for the normal reasons. <laughs> well, it is, and it is traumatic, and everybody out there is nodding and saying, "That's right." Just you, so we can all imagine. <laughs> so I was watching this Lady Gaga has this like new foundation, which is you know amazing or whatever. She's got this new like uh, foundation for empowering youth. Um, and I really don't pay much attention to her because she kind of annoys me to no end. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so there was this this um, interview with her where she was talking about being bullied as a kid. And, you know, it's this it's it's an intriguing story. And, and I don't really know there there may be more to it than this. But there was just this this part where she was talking about um, being thrown in the garbage can by like all these by these uh, girls in front of all these boys. But it seemed so traumatic for her. Um, and, may and maybe it's not a singular instance, but the way that she was talking about it, it was like this singular instance that was so like life-changingly traumatic for her. And I was like, man, woman, like I know so many people that that's just kind of like a normal day for, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't know, I just, I, I think I was thinking about that because I, I watched that a couple days ago. Um, and I was, and it just... Um, made me think about like, yeah, no, I don't necessarily know if if life in Detroit as a kid was normal experiences. <laughs> mm. yeah. I think it was more involved than that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that has something to do also with why your experience was so different when you returned as an adult. Um, 
because you had so much like a different like so much like different like a power like some other sort of power that we right. don't you don't have obviously when you're a kid right 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 yeah yeah for the record i do think her foundation is great <laughs> yeah yeah go no, I, go gaga yeah Woo-hoo. no i I think she i might be maybe shifting some opinions about her so <laughs> yeah but it is interesting i mean even from um hearing the your poem the with the line in it about um the the bodies in the dumpster near yeah. your high school i mean those people apparently didn't get out right so yeah. that's different that's a different level of things altogether yeah so and i you know i mean it's not I don't know. It's not fair to trade pain like that right. or compare pain right. at all. Right. But it's just, I think um, there's th- there are certain things that make you realize that um, your experience was kind of different, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And yet you returned. Okay, so we let you, <laughs> we, right. we left you in Arizona a while back in the conversation. Oh yeah, that's right, that's and right. So maybe we can get your next stop in, because I feel like you went further west. And I then did. We'll, then we'll yeah. take a short break. But when, okay. when where, where did I you, went, um, did I you lived go to in Oregon? Or? I did, I, I, went, I lived in Arizona for uh, about eight years, and then I moved north to Oregon, and then to Seattle. Um, I was in Portland for a little while, and then I moved to Seattle, and then back. I lived in Chicago, and then in New York, and then I moved back to Detroit. <laughs> so that was the kind of loop around the country. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's take a short break. We'll come okay. back and we'll 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 talk a little bit about your regional travels. Okay. All right. Um you're listening to Living Writers. Uh we've got Tex in the engineering booth. Thank you, Tex. And today on the program, Francine J. Harris is here. Her book, just out this February from Wayne State University Press, Allegiance. Um, we'll be right back. <laughs>
Hello, all you pretty people. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and today on Living Writers, Francine J. Harris is here um, in the studio. Her book, Allegiance, just out with Wayne State University Press. Uh, Tonight, Francine will be reading at Nicola's uh, at 7 o'clock, and tomorrow, of course, at our art museum here with Terry Blackhawk at 510. So you've got two opportunities. Come hear poems from Allegiance and uh, enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be hearing, we'll be hearing another poem, actually. Um, but maybe, uh, well, maybe you could even read one of the, the organ or the, well, when, so wh- why did you go to the Northwest? Because were you doing something where you also wanted to go to another polar opposite so now you've oh. been in arizona and so yeah. which was the opposite of detroit and now you had to find the opposite <laughs> of arizona in a new way maybe it was wet that... <laughs> yeah um no i feel like for a for a string there people just talk me into moving places they're like hey portland's cool you want to go and i'm like okay sure whatever <laughs> and then seattle was the same way and chicago and New York. all of them actually it was just people being like i think we should do this and i got a u-haul and i'm like okay why not right? <laughs> why not right yeah i actually uh wound up moving to chicago because i ran out of money on a a road trip <laughs> like, so you just stopped <laughs> yeah we were at a we were at a greyhound and i was like i think i need to get a job <laughs> My friend greyhounds was, will do that to you that's right <laughs> It's true. So, um, so yeah, I I was in Chicago looking for a job. Um, and well, that I, was getting you closer to home again. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and and then I moved. I was in New York for a couple of years, the couple of years actually. I moved there in two thousand and uh, came home in two thousand two. So, uh, so that was weird. Um, but yeah, yeah, because <clears throat> maybe you also it was like a reckoning, but you weren't expecting to stay. In New York? No, in... Um, oh, in Detroit. Yeah. Not at all. No, I thought I was... <sighs> so it, it's, what happened is that my mom had had um, congestive heart failure. And so I oh. actually thought I was coming home for... I thought that was it. But then when I got home, she got better, like miraculously better. Like she had emphysema and it went away. <laughs> Her heart like started kicking again. And so you were like the angel. Apparently. <laughs> something happened i mean i had been away for a long time and she was she was a very um she was one of those moms that always wanted me to come back or wanted to move wherever i was you know like that kind of thing um so then i wound up staying and she eventually got lung cancer that's how she died but that was like i was here for like three years i guess that i wouldn't have been you know what i mean so yeah it was strange that's it and that's and that's it well, so why, So, what did you like about Seattle? Because I have a soft spot for Seattle. So I can't not ask you this question. It's the same what thing. What did as, I like about it? Yeah, it's an amazing when, town. When did you live there? <laughs> I lived there. I moved there in 98. Um, and then I was there for two years, which was also a weird time to be in Seattle because that was during the whole World Trade Organization's yeah, protest. I was there yeah. then too. Were, Were you? you down there? Yeah. I thought I saw you there before Inside <laughs> Out. Before we got meeting. bombed with pepper gas. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Michael yeah. Moore, I saw him leaving and I saw him like, he's leaving, but I'm going to still go. <laughs> when were you, what, did, did you go there for that or you were? Yeah, exactly. Anarchists. No, I'm just kidding. I was part of that group that was always, you probably didn't see me because I had a black mask over my face, but no. 
Um, <laughs> no, but I no, I lived I I, I lived there. Oh, okay, since, okay, yeah, okay. In '93. Oh, okay, so. okay. Yeah, yeah. So that was a strange time to be living there. Um, what was your question? What did I? Oh, what did I like about it? No, yeah, Seattle's it was a lame gorgeous. question. I no, mean, it's great. Made it's it a great much question. Better. It's a great question. So it's, it's an awesome town, and it's you know, I, <laughs> the Portlandia. <laughs> It's so true. It's so I just started watching this show and I'm like, that's amazing. It's And it's the Northwest. It's not just Portland. It's Seattle, too. Like, right. it is so perfectly true. <laughs> and to know that it is still like that, like, kind of warms my heart a little bit, I have to say. Yeah. No, me too. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm like, quiet. Portlandia is on. <laughs> I have to watch the opening as they pan around the city. That's right. Um, to yeah. Powell's books. and um, Oh, gosh. Yeah. I miss Powell's. Yeah. And it makes me feel a little bit sadder that we've, like, again, lost Shaman Drum. Because I feel like, I know. why isn't there something we could have done? You know, is there... There's... I keep hoping for something's just going to pop up. Is, is there, is there like, some comparable independent bookshop in the Detroit area? Like, is it... I feel like there was, um, a, like, one that once was mentioned at some point on the show. And they're like, you don't know about this bookshop? John or... King is, like... That's the one I... That, it's yeah. something with... Okay. Yeah, John We're... King is... is interesting it's okay. um <laughs> i haven't been there yet i haven't so. been there in a few years so um you know i may need to be updated about this but the last time the when i wasn't there it's just it's just it's, it's an experience you know it's the kind of bookstore where like it's i think five stories tall um and then it has like the main floor is like where all the staff is and the and the and books that that that's our function well that you might be looking for i guess i don't know but then like as you as you ascend <laughs> through the structure it gets weirder and weirder like the second and third floor there's nobody there exactly but there's books and they're just kind of everywhere and then by the time you, you get to the five? fourth floor yeah. i think there's five floors i think there's definitely a fourth floor it sounds like a magical place it's kind of a magical place but it's very it feels like it feels like a school that got like uh, that somebody just just put some books in. That's what it feels. Like. And nothing's online. Well, okay, again, I haven't been there in a few years, but the last time I was there, nothing was online. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they don't they don't know if they have something unless they know that they have it, and then they'll take you to it, which they know a lot. You know, <laughs> that also sounds like Portlandia. It's it's pretty. It's pretty. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so um, okay, but that all right. Well, yeah. now you've inspired me. I have to finally you should go, go to John, John King. King. Yeah, and, and maybe it's different. Somebody's going to be like, everything is cataloged online now. Just so you know. <laughs> well, well, call in callers. That's no, right. Just kidding, text. Um, <laughs> no, no call is necessary here. But um, well, let's. Shall, would you read another poem? Yeah, I was thinking Francie? about. I was thinking about New York, and so I thought I'd read a, a newer one. Um, that's not in the book, actually. Um, cause that's, I think it might be the only, sur- well, the only poem that I have at this point that's, uh, that, well, I'll just read it and then I'll say what I was going to say. It's called The Walk Back Home. Though there were some people on whose doors we knocked and others whom we called and others with whom we may have ventured back downtown out of restless night, that night, our anxiety was mostly then as it is now. We wanted to be a part of something. We were not then, nor would ever be, part of each other. And those people we called, whom we were so grateful for our calls, whom were so relieved, a few of them are dead now. And those people who answered their doors as people passed, as the stores emptied of bottled water, 
by the vat, by the vat, the smoking smoke, the filling blue air, who were so shocked at the news who said, come in, come in, some of them, now they live in other countries, which was what we all said we wanted to do. Now that this one had gone to crap, it seemed, that day, in the coming days of flags and flags and the color of flag, we did not leave. We knew we would stay because we wanted to be part of something, and we never left. We stayed true and stayed until one day we left, and now I live somewhere now, and you live somewhere now, and I could likely not care less. Thanks, Francine. And so what what were you going to say <coughs> before you read the poem? And I was just going to say that I, I've tried to write a th- few things about 9-11, and yes. that's like... That's actually what I was wondering. If Yeah, so the, like, I think it's the only thing that I've written that I like. But then again, I only wrote it like within the last month, so... <laughs> Yeah, there's time to not like it. There's no, not I like think it. no. You you keep liking that one. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a hard thing to write about. Um, there was a panel, uh, not a panel, but there was a an event at Nicola's um, bookstore um, about a month ago about writing after nine eleven. And oh yes, yeah. So I admire all those folks who felt like they could, you know, kind of pull it together, because I, I, I do, I think it's a really hard thing to write about. Um. But, I mean, technically you're writing after. Yeah, yeah. I think but what you're saying <clears throat> is, like, trying to come to terms with it directly. Right, like, or, just trying to incorporate yeah. it, like, how you incorporate something that's in our massive consciousness, but I think we still don't really know what to say about it yet, or mm-hmm. how to think about it yet, necessarily, even though... I don't know, sometimes I think um, it's interesting to me that um, it's, such a, it's such a point of departure for us when, like so many other people, deal with things like that all the time. But, I mean, it is a major depart- point of departure for us, you know, not to get all weird, but <laughs> mm-hmm. it does strike me that way sometimes, like, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's and when you think about um, like uh, Palestine and Israel um, or any anything where people are just kind of having to cope every yeah. day and and um, but I will say almost every time if there's some sort of you know flipping through channels and there's like the movie scapes and you you know it's New York I'm always scanning like without you think that it might not be lodged in there. But it is. You're right. It is certainly lodged in the mind and the the memory yeah. that where it's something is there. So I think in some ways where we are, I guess you have to be considering it. Some, right. Yeah. Considering is such a bland word, but yeah, yeah, it's hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah. This is harder to talk about than if we were talking about obscenities in the FCC again. <laughs> That's right. Without using the actual words. That was going to be tricky, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, we could try that too. <laughs> so in a way also, there's another way also of thinking about this poem, because of course that I was wondering if this was September 11th and then, um, but I also was thinking of this as like a part of it could be this idea of Detroit too, where he's like, we're not going to leave like this mm-hmm. idea. Like yeah. we're going to stay here. We're going to make this place 
the place that we were going to leave to. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that that is um, part of the consideration when you're from Detroit and I'm sure other struggling towns, um, however you define struggling, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth about whether I think that Detroit is struggling or not. It is what it is. And I was talking to somebody else the other day. I was like, you know, people do live there. <laughs> They've been doing what they do for a long time. And there and are just, flowers. And there are flowers. And <laughs> thanks for that. <laughs> and just because, you know, there's not like a, a Macy's on Woodward um, anymore <laughs> or whatever, or like a bunch of places to go shopping um, doesn't mean that it's not a viable town. I mean, definitely there are problems, but, but it's... Um, but there is that that idea that like if you leave it, it's somehow a betrayal, you know, um, among certain folks. There's other people that understand that, you know, when you're from, I think, a place that feels so um, insular, um, that it's important to go and out and get perspective, maybe even if you decide that that's where you want to be. Like, you know, when I was working with Inside Out, I was always trying to get kids to like, <laughs> think yeah. about, so where do you want to go after you? <laughs> like, oh, Ferris State. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. No, get out. Get out of Michigan. Get out. Even if you come back, just get out for a while, you know. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's true, too. Having the walk back home be someplace you can only do once you've left, I guess. Well, we'll take a short break and we'll be right back to hear more from Mayor Francine J. Harris. <laughs> Got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Short break. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today on the program, Francine J. Harris. Her book from Wayne State University Press, Allegiance. Um, first book, debut book, although we have the beautiful chat book here, Between Old Trees as well. Um, can people still get copies of that? Oh, yeah. Francine? Yeah. Yes. And um, would they go to your website? Um, um, yeah, I have a, a blog site that's, um, it's Rowdy Weed, which is spelled wrong on purpose. <laughs> so it's R-O-U-T-Y 
W-E-E-D. So it's rowdyweed.blogspot.com, which I haven't updated in a little bit. But there's a, there's a link there. <laughs> I'm like the worst blogger in the world. <laughs> like, I don't have anything to say this month. Really? Not really. Um, anyway, but there's a, there's a link there both to the chapbook and the, the book, which you can get through the press. But yeah. And a word about this book too. Yes. I think. Yeah. To yes. Be left I think I still with... have an offer there where like, if you buy my chapbook, I'll send you the, antho- the, to be left with the body anthology for free. Just like, so you heard it folks. <laughs> That's right. It's my guarantee. <laughs> And and then another quick word just to remind everyone, um, Francine will be reading tonight at Nicola's um, in Westgate uh, Shopping Center and at seven. And then also again tomorrow at UMA um, with Terry Blackhawk. And this this reading um, will be at five. That's right. So so two readings that you and I should say this is uh, let's see the 7th of March in case. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so folks. we should actually, hmm, can we hear another poem? Do you think? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, I'll read. There's, when you said I couldn't curse, <laughs> I realized okay, I started picking out. Let's get, I didn't like just t- <laughs> like tell you out of the blue. No, right? I know, I know. I know. I'm just saying. It's not my rule. No, I know it's not your, I know it's not your rule. Um, but I started picking poems and I was like, all oh, the poems that don't have, have cursing in them are feel like kind of like love poems, which is interesting. Um, so I'll read one of those. And had you noticed that before? I hadn't really noticed that before. I mean, I, I suppose it makes sense. The language is more tender, you know, in some of these um, poems, but yeah, now it seems like a challenge. You have to write a, a love poem that that curses, or or an or like, you know, rebel poem that doesn't, <laughs> or something like that. I don't know if the rebel poem, whatever. Anyway, okay. Give us the rebel poem. Such an awful term. Okay, um, they seem to gather in one park. I wanted you, so I parked by the acorn trees under the aculeate sky. Instead, I tucked music into jacket pockets, headphones, wanted you, and walked the breeze in the shape of bees. I fed ice from my cup instead to the sand and soaked the playground. I wanted you, so I put my tongue to the trees and tasted yellow jacket. Instead, I ran from the stingers and sat in the shade. I wanted you, and I touched my throat where honey, where a girl. Instead, I beat all the kids to the slide in my dirty skirt. I did want you. I picked acorns, fat as Greek olive, wizened wing. I separated caps from their jade bodies. I let them die out in the sun. Thank you. So I I love how you have in the contents, Francine, the the poems uh, with like heading like many many headings. Not like you don't have three sections of the book. You have you know. Could you talk about your decision for that? Some of the um, just to read them. Jumping in when it's time to move. Build us a Jesus. Lost pen. Um, wear metal. Three feet of personal space. Crooked teeth. Never had to use a gun. Mm-hmm. Sit with you all night. Addicted to addict, in case there's trouble, I swear. Yeah, I think ordering is difficult for me. Um, so when and when you say ordering, I mean, you know, thinking like 
I want to send out a, a a book of poems, and I think it's the book part that's the scary word. It's like I want to send a book of poems to someone and see if they'll be interested in publishing it. And then the next thing is, okay, well, what makes a book? <laughs> and you know, um, being an MFA student recently, there's we spend some time talking about themes, you know, um, because there seems to be kind of a contemporary pressure on having themes. Um, and I felt that pressure putting this book together. I though I think the theme it's interesting because sometimes I think that the the theme that is actually there is the one that you're just not paying attention to at all it's the it's the elephant in the room kind of thing like the most obvious theme is what the book eventually became but I was but I was thinking like oh I don't know maybe I I have a bunch of poems that are about <laughs> Well, no, okay, that's not right. Well, I could put these poems together. These are kind of church poems. I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you know. And then now that it's together, that would be hilarious. The church poems, yeah, like, like the would... church poems. I mean, that is, and so that's kind of how I was thinking about it. I mean, um, just in t- in terms of trying to to organize it, um, I, I I um had the pleasure of um, working with Yusef Komanyaka at oh. Cave Kanam, right? And so I asked him about this process. I'm like, well, how do you how do you get all your poems into a manuscript? And he says, three folders. <laughs> he just lay them on the ground, like three folders. And I'm like, what does that mean? Does, yeah, does he mean that like he has them just in folders and then he just picks them? I think so. Yeah, so he's but, a man of magic. He's a man of magic, right? He's so great. <laughs> I'm not. So I start. I tried to put them into three folders, but that didn't want to happen because they were too disparate. So, um, it sort of made sense to section them off, like in these. There's, I guess, twelve sections total, which I guess is a little strange. But um, I couldn't. I couldn't not think about them individually or like as little bitty sections making up a whole thing um well and why should you have to right in in a way that also it makes another um poem of those bolded yeah 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 Yeah. so uh bonus poem (laughs) in the table it is a bonus poem (laughs) you'll see (laughs) no but um but uh, you know the obvious thing that it was that it was writing about home was not what I was thinking about at all. I was trying to find some theme for all these things, you know? Um, and then I think the first person who read it was like, yeah, so, um, so this book about Detroit, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, it's not about Detroit. (laughs) You know, I don't even remember who I was talking to. I was like, it's not about being all defensive. It's totally about Detroit, (laughs) you know? So sort of, as I said. And a, and a ra- and your radius and how you that's went right yeah out from it <laughs> that's and right returned yeah. and totally yeah. and so so when you were sending it out how did you what what was your process of doing that um, I sent it to three places before it got taken by Wayne State um, one I think I had an early draft that I sent that was part of a contest and I think the other one. Um, I actually got this really nice note for back from the press that was like, I hope you, this is a great collection. I hope you find a really good home for it. We just can't do it. Like the editor, it was like a handwritten note. And I was like, that's always a good sign, by the way. If you ever get handwritten notes from your editors, write them back, <laughs> you know, because they're, they, they're busy folks. So, so I, you know, I was starting to have some, some faith in it. Um, and then I sent it to Wayne State and that was it. 
<laughs> so and yeah. isn't it and it's funny that you didn't maybe think of that first again it's like that idea of it's not about Detroit <laughs> no I didn't I and wasn't then, thinking that at all right, yeah. not at all I knew that there were um that I was starting to because you know every I, most I think most of the time when you're like submitting things you sort of edit as you go along and so I knew that there were um places that could be going in that direction and then I think a little slew of poems that I knew were about Detroit kind of just happened and I think that that's kind of what and holds how, it together I and, guess and how many years is represented in the book of writing um if you include this poem flashes which I think might be the oldest poem um really about 10 but mostly well, no, about ten. Yeah, about ten. It's a, it's a nice. It's like it's a, it's a hefty. It's a meaty book. Yeah, it is. It is. And I'm so really happy with it. Yes. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about the 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 choice that the the a little bit of, and so you should be actually. I don't want to just go over from the happy part of it. I'm yeah. happy with. I'm I'm happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so. Um, Thinking about lowercase letters. Oh, yeah. It's obviously important to you. And I say it, and other people are like, why? Why do you say that? Because that's uh, that's even your, your name, yeah. right? So, um... I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to... Because we're... Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to... Uh, we, uh, we Okay, so I'm going to try to make this um, fast. <laughs> Basically, um, I, I I was entertaining this, this um, idea about... Um, equality in writing and so I stopped capitalizing everything um, but then I realized that that's not like the best way to communicate things so for example if I would say you know I'm studying Polish if I'm writing that people would be like you're studying nail polish like what? <laughs> you know what I mean so in that process though my name I think got identified with me as a poet I mean that's basically what happened even though I'm less this book is not capitalized but the next one will be like I'm less um, in, invested in having that be an absolute. No, that makes sense. It's sort of um, like the. I, I sometimes that struggle with punctuation, even. Mm -hmm. um, exactly. I had a conversation about commas with a friend the other day, and it's like the crazy things we talk about, right? Right. I know. <laughs> but um, but but yeah, I understand like that idea, and even with Cezanne, what he was trying to do with with space and color, like and and having everything on the same plane to That's give right. some dimension of this. Exactly. Weighing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still same. fascinated by it, but, you know, it's just, it's going to be a process. It's kind of a fun one. <laughs> yes! And it's been fun, a fun hour, Francine, so thanks for talking with me today. Thank you so much for having me today. It was awesome. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Um, thanks again to Tex for engineering. Thank, thank you, Tex. Thanks to all of you out there for listening, um, whether you're here in Ann Arbor, out in Seattle, uh, maybe in Florida, um, and beyond. Um, You've been listening to Living Writers today on the program. Francine J. Harris has been here talking her book, Allegiance, out with Wayne State University Press. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time.
This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, March 7, 2012. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, the results from Tuesday's Republican primary show a divided field. We'll speak with Buddy Romer, a candidate who has left the GOP race and rejected outside financing. We'll also go to Ohio, the closest race in yesterday's voting. In Syria, members of the Red Cross enter the devastated area of Baba Amr as more evidence of torture emerges. And a new campaign in India is shedding light on dowry violence. Those stories and more, but first, this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. Progressive Ohio Representative Dennis Kucinich lost a primary bid for re-election last night, ceding victory to challenger Representative Mary Kaptur. In his concession speech, Kucinich criticized Kaptur's campaign tactics. I would like to be able to congratulate Congresswoman Kaptur, but I do have to say that she ran a campaign in the Cleveland media market that was utterly lacking in integrity uh, with false statements, half-truths, misrepresentations. I hope that uh, is not the kind of representation she would provide to this community. Kucinich said his own integrity required him to say that it's not all right. The two current members of the House were forced to run against each other after a redrawing of district lines in the state. Kucinich has not announced any immediate plans for what he will do next. I've lost campaigns before. And there's always a tomorrow. You don't, you know, don't cry any tears for me. Captor complimented Kucinich for a spirited race. She will now face Republican Samuel Wurzelbacher, better known as Joe the Plumber, in the November regular election. A court in Wisconsin has temporarily halted a new state voter ID law. An immigration rights group and a local NAACP challenged. The state has not announced plans to appeal the decision, but the Republican Party told media they plan to challenge the ruling on conflict of interest grounds, saying that the judge in the case signed a petition to recall Governor Scott Walker. The voter ID law was slated